able to just, I guess, unpack really what Christmas is, is really all about. When you come to going to McDonald's, you fully expect to be able to order from the menu the certain things that you fully expect. You expect to be able to order a drink or a milkshake and, and get a burger and your serviettes there and this ketchup. You know what you're getting. And in some ways, I don't want to disappoint you in church because there are some things that we do. We sing songs. It's a little bit different because we've got a lot of children involved and there's also going to be a message. But I promise you, I'm not going to be too long. And hopefully, I will not in any way, shape or form be boring. But I want to be able to challenge both children, young people and older people to really think about Christmas, because the reality is Christmas is packaged so differently to how it was intended it to be. So this morning, what I want to do, I want to ask is just a couple of questions that are interlinked. And the question is this, what are you looking for? Or what do you see? And these questions are very much connected. You know, I was thinking about things that we see, and I don't know whether you've ever come across um, tests like this, but there's a, there's a picture, there's three pictures that are going to come up. I wonder if we could put the first picture up. What do you see? Do you see a rabbit or a duck? Aha. Uh-huh. Put your hand up if you see a rabbit. Put your hand up if you see a duck. Aha, uh-huh. it's interesting. What do you see? A rabbit or a duck? Let's go to the second picture, shall we? What do you see? Do you see blocks or do you see words? Blocks or a word, haha, it's interesting. What word is it? Who can, who can tell me what word it is? Lift. Yeah, well, I wonder what you're seeing. Let's look at the third one, shall we? Is the window at the right or is it at the left? Listen, those pictures are quite interesting and some people say it can determine your personality type and all that kind of stuff. I'm not going to go down there, but all I do want to say is this. What you see is often determined by where you are looking, where you are looking, what you are looking at. Talking about looking, I don't know whether husbands, you won't own up to this because your wife might be next to you or your girlfriend or whatever, but I'm just going to go for it because my wife's down there and she can't reach us uh, to get me. But, you know, I, we, we have a little bit of a problem. Next year we'll be married 25 years. I mean, amazing. And, uh, you know, the, the reality is it hasn't changed over those years because I'll shout to my wife, where, where, where are my jeans? And she'll say, they're in your wardrobe. I'm looking in my wardrobe and I cannot see those jeans at all. And I'll say, I cannot see them. Anybody wise know what I'm talking about with the husbands? I cannot see, they are not, I'm, we're now in a full-blown argument. I cannot see those jeans, they're not there, they must be downstairs. I'll show you where they are. And she magically, like a magician, pulls out these jeans from the wardrobe. I don't know how she manages to do that every single time. She's seeing something that I'm not seeing. If you've ever been to the opticians and I recently had to go because I'm now at that age where you have to, I've had to have very focals, which means I not only need it for just long distances, I now need it for short distances. And on the opticians, they'll say to you, what, what do you see better? Do you see the, the letters better in red or green? Anybody ever been to the op- opticians? I, I won't say the name, but it's the one that you say you should have gone to anyway. That one, yeah. Uh, next to our, near to our project. And, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll talk about what are you seeing? What do you see? Do you see the numbers? Is that clearer there or clearer there? Do you see the letters? Tell me which line. 
What do you see? What are you looking at? I want to just share a verse. Because there are a group of men who were looking. They were looking because they were very learned men. The Bible records, doesn't say three, it talks about wise men or kings. They were actually, history probably records that they were astronomers. They were really bright. They were learned. They were really clever. They probably would have gone to Oxford or Cambridge. They were that clever. And they knew because of history that there was going to be the Messiah, the Savior of the world was going to come. And because they followed the stars, they saw this star. They knew that this star was coming. And so they began looking for this Savior. This is what the Bible records in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. You'll read it in the school nativity plays. You'll have heard it preached on the TV, maybe even over the Christmas services. And this is what it says. When Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem, Herod was king. And during this time, some wise men, kings from the east, came to Jerusalem and said, Where is the child born to be king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. They were looking for this child and they say, We have seen. We're looking for this child. We're looking for this star. In the east, because we want to come and we want to worship him, we want to get to know him. You see, they were looking for a Messiah. What I've realized is in our community work and just my interaction with general people, everybody's searching. Everybody's searching. You're here today and you're searching. At some point, you'll have been searching. I don't care where you've come from or what your background is or what your experiences are. Every one of you at some point will search. You're trying to make sense of your life. You're trying to make sense of what's happening to you. You're trying to make sense of the future. And we're looking, we're searching. But the wise men, unfortunately, did what we do. They searched in all the wrong places. You may say, Christian, how do you get that from the story? Well, let me just show you. The first thing I want to say is this. These wise men, they looked in the wrong city, Jerusalem. They looked in the wrong city, Jerusalem. You see, these wise men thought, if the king's going to come, he's surely going to go to the capital. He's surely going to go to the affluent place. He's surely going to go to that place where kings should be born. They looked in the wrong place. Let me tell you today. I come across so many people, and because of what I do, my job, you know, of what I do, people start to just talk to you. They feel, uh, you know, they can can share with you, and they talk about how they've been searching in this place and that place, and I come across young people, older people who have been searching out the bright lights. They think the bright lights of a city are going to bring hope to their hearts. They're going to fix what's internally happening they think that actually a change of geography is gonna mean a change of life and these kings these wise men went to the wrong place let me say to you if you are looking at the bright lights looking for pleasure 
If you're thinking statements like, well, the grass is going to definitely be greener over there. The grass is never greener. The grass is never greener. A change of geography will not mean a change of life. They looked in the rock city, Jerusalem. The answer was in Bethlehem. But the second thing is they didn't just look in the wrong city. They also looked in the wrong house. You see, they looked in a palace. They thought to themselves, surely if the king's going to come, he's going to come to a a palace. He's going to come where there's comfort and material possessions. Surely a king's going to come where there's riches and power and influence. (laughs) It's a little bit like us that we think that the answer to our problems is more money. But I was reading something this week that actually, it was in the States, but it'd be the same in the, in the UK. I'm absolutely certain of that. They, they surveyed numbers of lottery winners. People who'd literally won tens of millions, in some cases, hundreds of millions. And this is their finding. 70% of those who won the lottery lose their money within a few years. And many of them end up suicidal. Some of them have committed suicide in divorce and depressed. These were some of the symptoms of the winners. And this was according to the National Endowment for Financial Education. My point that I'm trying to make is this, that people often think to themselves, and the adverts tell us that if you win the lottery, it's going to solve every issue. And that is not necessarily the case. We think that, you know, if we get that new present, kids, you might want that new present. Let me tell you that new present that you long for is going to be an old present within two weeks. Sorry, parents, you've busted got to pay for it, but that's the reality. Because we've all been there, haven't we? We've had a new pair of football boots. I remember a new pair of football boots. I'll look and cherish these new pair of football boots. And within two weeks, they're just thrown in the cupboard like every other pair of shoes. But we think that those things are going to solve our lives. And these kings looked in the wrong house, a palace. But thirdly, they didn't just look in the wrong city, Jerusalem. They didn't just look in the wrong house, the palace, because the answer was in a stable, but they also looked to the wrong person. They thought surely if a king's been born, and they were being just very natural in their, in their understanding, because they thought if a king's been born, surely he's been born to a king. And they looked to Herod. The point I want to make is this. We can often not just look in the wrong places, and we can look in the wrong houses, but we can also look to the wrong people. I'm very grateful that next year, Caroline and I will be celebrating we've been here 17 years. And I can honestly say, I believe as a pastor, preacher, this church is without a doubt the best church in the whole wide world. Beyond a doubt. I have so many faithful friends here, so many people who are so committed, so loyal, so loving, so kind, so generous, so giving. You've seen it all on the video. But if I put my trust in these guys, I'll be left hurt and disappointed. Because listen to me, people let us down. They don't mean to. They don't mean to. They just do so. Sometimes they mean to. But more often than not, they don't mean to. It just happens. But this is the point that I want to make. If we'll put our trust in people then we'll be found wanting. In fact, the Bible records that if hope deferred makes the heart sick. And if all your hope is in a person, if all your hope is in a husband, is in a wife, is in a child, if all your hope is in your job, if all your hope 
is in that employee, if all your hope is in that superstar that you've got on your wall, poster at home, you'll be found wanting. See, they looked to Herod, but Herod wasn't the answer. The answer wasn't a king in kingly robes. The answer was a babe in a stable. This answer was born in a sleepy town a few miles away in a damp barn. This king was born. It's interesting. The kings, they said, we have seen his star in the east and we have come to worship him. We're seeking him out. But they were looking in all the wrong places. Listen to me. Just as I conclude, many of you, many of us, search in all the wrong places for that peace, that joy, that love that we so desperately, so desperately want. And it's not found in the bright lights. It's not found in the riches and materialism. It's not. And it's not found in people that we know and love. The answer is found in Jesus. Let me roll the story on uh, for a moment. Just 30 years. Because we then see this baby became a man. And this is all found in the New Testament of the Bible. And we see John who was a preacher just like me. And he saw Jesus walking by and this is what he said. He said this. The next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. There was no doubt in John's mind. He was looking, he was seeing, he was observing all the right things. He was seeing this Jesus who we knew to be a babe born in a manger, now become fully man. And his declaration of him was, this Jesus, oh, this is why he came. To take away the sins of the world. What does that mean? Well, it means in conclusion, to reconcile man back to God. I don't know whether anybody's had any experience of reconciliation. I guess in some ways that's what I try and do. There are peace negotiators, there are marriage negotiators, there are relationships negotiators, and those negotiators sit in the middle to try and reconcile two parties. And this was the issue. We'd messed up. We continue to mess up. I want to be very bold this morning. The sins of our lives cause a division, a separation from God. And God's heart breaks. God's heart breaks for you. It broke for me. And so he sent Jesus 2,000 years ago as the peace negotiator. And this Jesus created a road. It's called a road of forgiveness. And this road of forgiveness gives each and every person, rich, poor, black, white, young and old, the opportunity to come back to God. And it's simply this. God, I am sorry for all the things that I've done wrong. I am sorry for the way that I've behaved and I give my life, I commit my life to you. It's a road of forgiveness that Jesus offers to each and every one of us and John saw it and here today I'm here to announce to you, every single one of you, this road is offered to each and every one of us of forgiveness. Let's not make Christmas just full of the glitz and Santa and we love all that here in this church. 
But may it become way more than just that stuff. May we remember it's about Jesus coming to earth to, to reconcile man back to God. In a moment, I'm going to be handing these presents out. But I wonder for a moment if we just bow our heads because we're going to pray.